This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Good evening, everybody. Welcome in. It is Kenny and Heilprin on this somewhat beautiful Tuesday night for late January. I'm Ben Kenny. A little more, little more daylight seeping in. It's not light now, but still, we're, we're getting there. I miss the day, Zach, when we would do our show. Still light out when I'm driving home. Maybe I see the sunset, but nevertheless, hello, sir. How are you? How are you doing? How are you doing? You're able to concentrate on the sunset and on the horrible, horrible traffic that is uh, the Beltline? Yeah. Little baby. Nah, we don't need to do that today, but frankly, it hasn't been as bad recently. Yeah, maybe because so, you got used to it and you're not such a, a novice anymore. Nah, the lack of snow has helped, but neither here nor there. Uh, how am I? I'm good. I need spring ball. And I think that's a sentence that can resonate with many people. Uh, we saw an announcement today that we'll get to a little later on in the show. Luke Fickle posting a video about season tickets. How disappointing were you, though, that it wasn't something else? Like I, Everybody I know... Maybe you don't, but I feel like you're a notifications guy. Uh, Not for Fickle. Really? Yeah. No. You have notifications for your your phone continuously blows up every single time we do a show at Monks. And I know it's not people tweeting about the show. It's it's like people tweeting and you getting those notifications, but you don't have the head coach no. of your favorite football team getting, you, getting notif- notifications. He is like one of like three people that I have notifications for. Do you know what the notifications are that I get? I do. Yes. It's mostly one account. It's the 24-7 sports transfer portal. Yeah. Which means not only every time someone enters or commits, almost every time a big player gets an offer. So it's a lot of tweets. Yet, I enjoy them because they, they keep me up to date on everything going on. I, I see the fickle stuff because everyone retweets it, right? And, and oh, the, you don't even follow him? I follow him. Okay. I follow him. But... I end up seeing it on my timeline. It gets pushed to the top often. I don't need to get notifications when he tweets out the jump around video. I, I, well, you know what's coming 30 minutes later. Exactly. But then I'll, I'll be on Twitter at that point, 30 minutes later. Yeah, but you wouldn't even need to know. Like you, you would just, you would just see the tweet and you would know 30 minutes later, there's a commitment. Like you wouldn't even have to go on Twitter to see it. You would know it. True. Some people in the Badger world that I have notifications on for retweet the commitments, so I just see it that way. Mm. And and that is so. We'll get into the season ticket stuff. I have a comparison to ask your thoughts on, uh, but that's coming up later. We also big show today. The transfer window is now closed. I can confirm. No more players will enter it until the next window opens in May after spring ball. We're going to go through Wisconsin's transfer class. We're going to evaluate which guys can have big impacts this season. Kind of look at, at where it stands because a lot of different context with the guys coming in. You have some kind of high school recruiting adjacent with players that have been in college for a year and will be with the program for a while. You have some sixth-year guys that will play one season. So we'll get to that coming up in a bit. But, Zach, I wanted to lead the show today. Last night, Northwestern 66, Wisconsin 63. After the game was rescheduled, they get it in at 5.30 yesterday. The Badgers fall. Uh, I mean, I don't know. To me, and there are different you know, things that went on that are significant in the game, but it feels like overall maybe somewhat of a regression from the team to what we had thought before the season. Not to say they're there, but they're not winning those tight games as often, clearly, as they were to start the year. When the margins are that small... And you go down the stretch, I think, no no points, no field goals in the last three minutes and 14 seconds. You're not going to win games like that. 
especially when you as a team are not clicking on offense like you were earlier in the season. So a, a disappointing loss. I guess it's it's been a deflating couple weeks. <laughs> I can't say it was widely unexpected. Oh, no, I think it was widely unexpected because you didn't think you were going to be without Tyler Wall for three of those games, and then you didn't think you were going to be out with Max Klesman for two, for two games. And so this five-game stretch where they lost four of five, it's – I don't think it's totally unexpected because we knew how thin they were bench-wise. We knew how close and how small the margin was in all these games that it's not a huge surprise that the, that they come down to the end and whoever makes more plays at the end or makes fewer mistakes or hits their free throws is going to end up winning the game. And Wisconsin did not do that last night. They shot themselves in the foot. They they should have won that game. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. They should have won that game. Definitely. Um the offense got off to a slow start, found itself, and then kind of went in the in the dumpster down the last down the stretch. I think they missed uh, nine of the last ten shots. Right? Okay, and yet they're still right there with multiple possessions to to uh, either tie or win the game. But can't overcome shooting fifty fifty six percent from the free throw line. You can't overcome missing wide open three pointers, including that Stephen Crowell wide open one. You know, with what about one seventeen one fifteen left. Um, those are just really tough to overcome. The unfortunate thing in all that, though, you can't yell shots into the basket. Now you can, it, Greg Gar can, Greg Gar can yell at guys for not playing hard, or he can yell at them for making a mental mistake, or they can yell at not doing a right rotation or a right switch. You know all that stuff. He can yell and maybe get some something out of it. You can't yell guys into making shots. It's just not going to happen. Sometimes it's going to happen. Sometimes it's not. Connor Asijan missed more open shots last night than maybe he has all year. Stephen Crowell has not been a great three-point shooter, but that wide open, you got to drill that. And then they just continue to be uh, not overly efficient in the paint either. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of things here, and yet if Max Klesman plays in that game, I think he helps defensively significantly. I don't know, you know, maybe Jordan Davis doesn't score 15 points, but if he's playing in that game, it might be a little bit different. So, I, to me, these last few weeks have been deflating, but it's not for any reason of what we saw at the beginning of the year. I mean, they're 12 and two and they're fully healthy. Yeah. And you would expect them to be fully healthy at some point this year. Will it be enough for them to get it turned around and be able to make some noise in March or even get into the tournament in March? Because if this straight, I mean, they got some really tough games coming up. You were right about that. They're a 10 seed in bracketology today. I saw, and you said on a recent show that they're going to need to start winning these games because while the start of the year was very high, they're nowhere near a lock to make the tournament. They're yep. going to have to get somewhat hot or at least perform well, because as you mentioned, down the stretch of the year, a lot of more tough games than not. Right, and a lot of those games are going to be at home later in the season. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a positive. No, I'm kidding. 7-2 um, at home still, even though people are still unhappy with the environment which that's a show like that's an annual show zach we, we we could do that in the true dog days when we have nothing to talk about that and the student section getting into the stadium and football games those are their own shows so we don't need to litigate that now but we yeah. spent we, we spent time on that on the swing this week everybody listened to that because it's <laughs> it's just it's just it is a yearly conversation um you yeah. can probably just check it in your phone and be like all right on january 15th we're going to be talking about yeah, so there are some tough games coming up, and it's far far from a guarantee. Their marquee win right now, Marquette. No one wants to hear that, but that's exactly what it is. On the road, yeah. 
Wow. Because of how well they're playing right now. Yeah, they do look quite good. Next up, Maryland coming up tomorrow. Really quick turnaround. They fly out uh, at Maryland. Doesn't look like Max Klesmet will be there. I mean, we're starting to see something we had expected where not deep enough in terms of offensive options. Not deep enough in terms of defensive options. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I thought Kamari McGee gave him some nice minutes. I think he played seven, uh, which has to have been uh, maybe the most he's played it uh, in quite some time. But they don't have the depth there. And I know there's been a heavy push of the uh, Greg Gard job status again here in these recent weeks. Completely disagree with it. If you're going to take any issue with with it with with what happened, and it's, to me, it's not the coaching, it's not the out of bounds plays, it's not anything like that. It's it's the lack of depth on this roster. Um, it's not that they didn't try to get guys in here; they just didn't succeed all the time in the transfer portal, and it's led to you know having to play some guys that probably aren't just ready yet. And I know Kamar and Gee was from the transfer portal, but it felt like he was probably going to need a little bit more seasoning before he was ready to go, and I think that's proven to be the case. So it. Past their top six, it's. I don't know if you have a ton of guys you can count on. It's not great, and as you mentioned, they're what twelve and two when when all healthy. Yep. When all those guys are there, we we've seen good things. And what were those losses by a combined like four points? And one of them was kind of fake. Yeah, they the beat Kansas, Kansas loss. They beat Kansas. But a a good night from Jordan Davis, fifteen points, shot well. Really a forgettable night from everybody else when you look up and down. The free throw stuff obviously sticks out, but ten of thirty one from three. It's just, it sounds like an oversimplification of everything. Hard to win when you shoot 10 of 31 from three and nine of 16 from the line. Well, you're in Chucky went four for 16. Yep. What was Connor? Four for 11, three for 11, three. So. Your best, your best shooters. And some of the shots Chucky had took were not exactly the easiest or maybe the most advised, but Connor had a, a number of open shots and he just didn't knock them down, which I, again, he can shoot it whenever he wants. I think he's at that point right now. He can shoot it whenever he wants. And those were clearly open shots, and he just didn't hit them. Credit to Northwestern, I will say, though. Oh, like, give me a break. Only for, like, it's a better team than we've seen in the past. Yeah, now that they're, you know, they got healthy. They actually that have. Nice. That's, that, that's weird that they uh, had to postpone a couple games, and magically, uh, all <laughs> of a sudden, they're very healthy to play. Yeah. No, like, years past, they're really bad. And, yeah. and they're less bad than they've been. Sitting yes. here, they're thirteen and five. They're four and three in the Big Ten. They're on the bubble. Yeah, Badgers sit four and four uh, again with Klesman likely out against Maryland. We'll talk about that game coming up on Thursday when we're at Monks. Sitting here though, before that that game coming up tomorrow, real quick, finishing record in the Big Ten. We did this a couple weeks ago. They're the Badgers sit four and four. I think I optimistically will say they finish eleven and nine in conference, which would be going seven and five the rest of the way certainly possible certainly possible i gotta figure out or i gotta know i should say when is max coming back it's a good point it's a good point they need him um because without tyler wall obviously they're missing something significant on the defensive end and also another post presence max has the ability to play or the ability to guard a number of different spots guys bigger than him guys smaller than him he's able to be physical he can shoot it um he's able to somewhat create his own shot he doesn't do it that all but when you talk about ball handlers on the perimeter, yes. he could do it more than the replacement, than the guys that come in for him. Correct. Which is key when you run what Wisconsin. Like, you need everybody to be able to 
get the ball where it needs to go right. to create shots if needed. So this is, but the, just look at the Big Ten standings. It's insane. Yeah, the Badgers are one game out of second place, five and three, and, sits second, and, and one Purdue game, one game out of out of last, eleventh place. Okay, no, uh, so Minnesota. I didn't have the bottom here. Minnesota's one and seven. Ohio State and Maryland are tied at three and five. So they're one game back of Wisconsin, who's in a current six-way tie, five-way uh, five tie for for sixth right now. Yeah. And Purdue is up there at eight and one. Yeah. And they the, win. The two different, I mean, the, you got Purdue way up top. You got Minnesota way down, way down low. And then everybody else just jam-packed all within a game of each other, two games of each other. A run is there to be had here down the, the stretch of the yeah. season. You just have, they have to, they have to play better basketball down the stretch. They have to get healthy, and the opportunity is there. We shall see how that all how that all comes out. We'll talk about the Maryland game coming up on Thursday when we're live at Monk's Bar and Grill, most likely. A lot more to get to today, Zach. I'm looking forward to this exercise. When we come back, Wisconsin, Luke Fickle and company, the football program, brought in a large transfer class, one that we have not seen previously. Obviously, headlining names there, depth names, Big contributors up and down. We're going through the class. We're doing an exercise uh, to do it. We'll tell you what that is when we come back. To tell you who to watch this season, who to watch going forward, where they fit in, where the depth chart stands right now. So that is what we do when we will return. Again, live at Monks and Sun Prairie, 5 to 6, coming up on Thursday. If you're listening live, uh, we appreciate you. We love you just as much as those listening on podcast. If you do listen to us on podcast, leave a review. Subscribe. Do all those important things. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. When we return, we get into Luke Fickle's transfer class. We will draft small units from that class and see who, see which people think will have a bigger impact going forward into next season. That is next. It is Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, Kenny and Heilprin, we are back. Ben, Kenny, Zach Heilprin here with you. The show is always available in podcast form if you are listening to us on your drive home. Uh, soon, hopefully, that drive will be accompanied by sunlight as as we are nearing. Uh, for me, it's golf season. For others, it is probably, you know, more genuine happiness season uh, with, you know, the, the winter and such and the weather. Um so, Wisconsin's transfer class. Uh, they take 13 guys in, and with the, the portal window now closed and another one set to open in May after spring ball, the Badgers bring in 13 guys. The headliners, Tanner Mordecai, C.J. Williams, Nick Evers, Bryson Green, Jake Renfro. You've heard of all of them. Is that your top five? No, it is not. Uh, and that will be significant in a second. It is on threes number six overall uh, transfer class. Twenty four seven sports is number nine. A, a consensus top ten ish transfer class in the grand scheme of everything out there. Colorado went crazy. Like there's some programs that just went nuts there, and other programs kind of like Wisconsin that are rebuilding rosters under a new coach. So that is why we have seen all of this now for what we're going to see this season. Zach, I think it's a great mix of experience and then straight potential of guys that could help years down the road. So we're going to do uh, some sort of a draft, a snake variety draft, where 
There's only two of us. I know, but I'm well. I'm going to select first, and you're going to pick two. Then I'm going to pick two. So I didn't know I got two picks. Oh, sure. Well, that's how we're going to do it. We're each going to get five. There are thirteen guys. Why are you going to need to go first again? I'm going uh, to let you own this one. Well, I did win the year-long pick competition. Yep. And not, I'm not sh- a great, not a great prize. You should probably, you should really have taken me up on that Heisman bet. Oh, trust me, I'm going to uh, cash that in for for more perks down the road. Ooh, I don't know. We didn't shake on it. Oh, you have to wait till next year. I will. So, <laughs> starting off, so we're each going to pick five, and there are 13 total, and we'll talk about all of them, and we'll get into where they fit in the depth chart, kind of what the significance of all of the acquisitions are. I mean, the first one for me is a complete slam dunk. And once we do this, I'll tweet it and everybody will argue and yell at themselves. And those that listen kind of know where the thought process is. The first one's a slam dunk. It's Tanner Mordecai. He's only here for next year. And this is only for next year. We're not going for the rest of each of their careers at Wisconsin. Obviously, a six-year guy, 7,200 yards coming from SMU. A lot of production, a lot of touchdowns, just... a lot of experience both at SMU and then also at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. He brings everything you need in the Phil Longo offense to work from the start instead of somebody that would also need to maybe grow accustomed to college football. This is the guy that when you have the hype surrounding Fickle and Longo, this is the guy you need to continue that hype. Whether he surpasses whatever mark of Russell Wilson, I I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, That's something we'll just be able to to compare once it's all said and done, but it's a massive ad, and he is by far the most impactful. So that is my number one. As you said, it's a slam dunk, and it's an easy number one. He also, as you I, said a couple weeks ago, if Wisconsin accomplishes big things this season, he will be likely the reason why, in addition to other things, but a big one. Yes. There was a comment from nate tice former badger legend nate tice uh today he was talking about the nfl but i think it kind of i I think it kind of works for us as well um his his thing was gms and coaches raise the floor qbs raise the ceiling in this sense luke fickle and his staff and the recruiting raised the floor of where wisconsin could be a quarterback like tanner mordecai could raise the ceiling of 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 where they would be so I was going to throw that in later, but I kind of that you said that now made me want to throw yeah. it in there. So it's, I think it's pretty good. However, and before I before I get into this, I am all aboard the Tanner uh, Mordecai starting quarterback, big upgrade from uh, what Wisconsin's had. But it was brought to my attention um, in a DM uh, for a question for the camp that I completely forgot about. I, when people send stuff to my DMs for for the camp for questions, I just totally forget about them all the time. Either way, I went back upon it, and it was a question that I actually wanted to talk about, and it was Tanner Mordecai's issues with turnovers, which certainly played out. So he had, what, 30? 22 picks in two years. So 30, uh, he had 33 touchdowns last year, 10 interceptions. Against defenses 51st or worse in the country, 21-4. and four. Against defenses 50th or, uh, excuse me, Against defense, yeah, against defenses below 51, 51 and below, 21 and four touchdown interceptions. It's his 50th or better, 12 and six. That's a Zach Wilson conundrum when he was at BYU. Yes. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe that's just one year, right? Maybe that's just how it happened one year. Go back the previous year, he only played three defenses ranked 50th or better. And he threw six touchdowns and, and two interceptions. All the others, 33 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 
And it's not just interceptions. It was fumbles, too. He had seven fumbles this past season, which was among the top 20 in the country. He had four fumbles and lost three of them last year. I think it's worth a conversation, not now, but at some point, you know, to talk about that. Because if Graham Mertz were, had those same type of numbers, and I think he kind of did against bad competition, we need to at least have a conversation about Tanner Mordecai and, and not turning the ball over because that's going to be key. That's what Russell Wilson did not do. He did not turn the ball over. Uh, just the in. splits, when you talk about Mertz and the last three seasons, we've talked about it. When they faced really good defenses and defensive lines, that's when you saw it get really bad for the offensive unit yep. as a whole. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to say that's not – I that's a bit concerning. Definitely. My only my positive thought would be maybe Longo can, you know, rein him in. But that's definitely a conversation to be had. It's a good point. I literally. Yeah, I literally said I am all all in on Tanner Mordecai being a huge upgrade from what Wisconsin has. But I think it's at least worthwhile mentioning that, especially when you talk about the number of plays they're going to run. Yes. In theory. Yeah. Different approach to football. Right. A lot more offensively. A lot more turnover possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the turnovers that Graham Mertz had hurt even more because they did not have as many plays as, exactly. as you would expect them to have this year. But that said, uh, my two picks are also, I think, probably pretty easy for me. Jake Renfro is the one. I should say be my first pick. The center out of Cincinnati. You get an all AAC center, hopefully for his sake, all the way back from the knee injury uh, that he uh, that missed, forced him to miss the entire season. I think he'll be fine. Be able to plug him in there to replace Joe Tittman. Easy one for me. And then number three, I, or I should say my second pick, I just have him listed top one through ten here, but my second pick would be Bryson Green, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. I, some of the clutches that he made on film are stuff that, like, we saw from Quintez Cephas. Like, that type of, like, just going up and mossing people, going up in, in traffic and catching passes. And uh, not saying they didn't have that, but we didn't see a lot of it these past few years. And so I'm anxious to see what it looks like. He is a going to be a great red zone target, I think, for them. But just a, a big body that can go up and get passes in traffic. Uh, an easy pick for me. He was my number two overall. And I, Renfro was number three. But I, I think they're interchangeable at, at that point. Renfro likely starting at center in such an important spot. Uh, and pushing Bordellini maybe to a guard spot where we've seen him play pretty well is huge and the experience he brings but Bryson Green above CJ Williams to me and Williams is going to be my next but you talk about he's 6'2 215 or at least the last wherever that was from when I checked that's a different kind of body type right like Skylar Bell's what 5'10 CJ Chimray DK is not that big I believe when you talk about a red zone threat a guy that's done it against, you know, pretty solid Big 12 competition, especially this past season, uh, 16.2 yards per catch, five touchdowns. I think he could easily lead them in receiving yards, could easily lead them in touchdowns. Like, he could be their most prolific offensive weapon when it's all said and done. Could. I don't know about most prolific. I think, I still think Braylon Allen's going to be that guy. But on the outside, for sure. I think it comes down to him or Chimray in terms of who's going to have more catches, who's going to have more yards, who's going to have more touchdowns. And, I would not put it past anybody to say it's not going to be Bryson Green. Yeah. I know who you want it to be, but it, you know I could see it being – honestly, I could see it being a lot of different guys just because we don't know exactly what this is going to look like. Maybe I'll have a better idea after spring. But Bryson, I think Bryson Green's going to be right there. Well, I think it's really interesting as we project forward how they are deployed, if you will, all of the talent there. 
where do we see a lot of Jeremy DK in the slot and almost always in the slot? And then do you see all Keontes Lewis and Bryson Green outside and maybe a mixed match of Skylar Bale and other guys, CJ Williams elsewhere? Like there are so many different ways to go about that. little interjection here. Uh, was able to watch some of the Polynesian Bowl and uh, Tretch Kekahuna was in there. God, he looks so quick. He mm-hmm. looks like an absolutely perfect weapon for the slot at some point in his career. We'll see if it actually... That, that's where he ends up, but man, he looked good. So that'll, that'll be in our super forward facing. He's not, maybe we'll do a show okay. later. Yeah. Um, my next guy, CJ Williams. I don't think, yeah, I think he will have an impact on this year's team because I think in the way that Longo will approach the offense, there will be a lot of snaps to be had and there could be reps there. And just based mostly on the fact that he was a top 10 wide receiver a year ago, he didn't do much at USC, but they also had, the previous year's Bolitnikov winner there in Jordan Addison. They had a five-star in Mario Williams. They had crazy talent in that wide receiver room. And I figure he would have been a guy, had he stayed there, that would have broken out either this year or next. But now he comes to Wisconsin where there is definitely opportunity for snaps and targets. We don't know, again, how it's going to shake out. Same exact conversation with Bryson Green. But this is it, it's a potential play. It's like you invest in a big mutual fund. And I think long-term, the results will be there. Maybe they come this year. But he would be my second just because the ceiling of if he actually is a top-of-the-nation recruiting-wise receiver, then there's only so much you could do to not just give him the ball. He was number seven on my list. Wow. Um, So Where was he on yours? Number four. Okay. Behind Renfro and Bryson Green. And Tanner. Yes, correct. And and that also is kind of how I view the position where the receivers could be more interchangeable. When you talk about the defense, which I'll get to in a second, that could be more just there are the starters and the other guys aren't able to play as much. Um, and, and that's a tough projection to make, but luckily we have a lot of time and spring ball before the season starts. My my next guy, do you have anything uh, quick else on Williams nope. aside from that? My, I, I saw some pictures from in the weight room today. Dude's huge. That is... That's why I get it. That's, that's my addition right there. That's good to hear. Um... My next guy, before we get back to you, Jason Maitre from Boston College. This is a play more of opportunity than it is, say, how great I think he'll be. Like, to be candid, he's a six-year guy. He's played five years at Boston College. There reaches a point, kind of like with Jay Shaw coming in, if you're in college for that long and you don't go to the NFL, then you're probably not a all-Big Ten caliber corner. And I'd love to be wrong there, but that's usually... Like, if there was the opportunity to go, maybe he would have. So I don't think he's going to come in and be better than Alex Smith or be their lockdown corner, but experience and opportunity. Alex Smith, I think, is entrenched in one corner slot. The other, I don't know. Ricardo Holman, there there are some names there, but Jason Maitre has the track record of playing a lot at Boston College. So he comes in, and I think he'll start. I think he feels like a guy that's going to be in the slot. I feel like he could be – because he – He's got a little safety in him, too, so you can play him inside. And again, I know it's going to get tiresome having to hear this, but we have to wait until spring to see exactly what the defense is going to look like and and, and where they want to line up certain guys. But he was number five on my list. Okay, cool. So I'm not going to get thrown down because of that one. No. Like I was Williams. So uh, how about this? You do two more. People will love your Williams pick. People will love your Williams. Well, that's the hype pick. It is. It's, it's a, the mutual. It's fund. the pandering pick. It's cute. It's it's cool. Yeah, you know I love to pander. I, there's no one that loves <laughs> to pander more than you. Um, all right, 
you give two more and then we'll take a break and hit the rest of the list. But so far I have Tanner Mordecai, CJ Williams, Jason Maitre as my three. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think we'll go with that. And if I'm wrong, I will correct myself later. You have Jake Renfro and Bryson Green. My third pick. Because I get two, right? Correct. My third pick. Nathaniel Bacos. I love it. I love it. I love that. I I uh, love the confidence. I love the attitude. I love the, the leg that uh, he was able to show at Ohio. You know, freshman All-American. Um, but just his his presence and uh he feels like he's a like an an extra recruiter for wisconsin i mean he he was all over cj williams trying to get him in he was he was one of the five guys that showed up that weekend and all five of them ended up uh um, committing he just he's got a little bit of a vibe a little bit of a vibe to him um good kicker we'll see i mean obviously nate van zels was pretty successful last year um but you're not bringing in a scholarship guy not to be your kicker and i I think nathaniel lacos ends up being their kicker next year well plus we're this is a who will have the biggest impact on the 2023 badgers and if he's good having a good kicker that's a pretty big impact i mean but like you said uh they why will they need a punter because they're are they ever going to punt like no so are they ever going to kick a field goal no so it's what does he look like on extra points i think is the biggest the question there right hopefully maybe kickoffs if his legs that strong i don't know but when you look at some of the other guys that will go to uh, the path to starting could be clearer for him than it is some others. Yeah. So uh, one more before we, Oh, you get one more before we go to break, hit the rest of the list. Oh, uh, this is a tough one. Um, but he's number six on my list and I know you're not going to like it, but uh, I'm going Darian Varner. Um, he is a little bit smaller body at 260 to be playing defensive end in a three, three, five, but we don't know what that three, four, five, three, three, five is going to be looking like. He did play at 290, lost weight, ended up with seven and a half sacks. A lot of it against, uh, I think, three and a half were against Tulsa in one game. So there's that. But he was a sought-after guy in the transfer portal. Wisconsin stood, uh, got after him and stayed on him. Uh, Luke Fickle like texted him every single day. So we definitely wanted him here, which leads me to believe that he thinks he can be an impact player. So I, why would I say that he can't be? Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going there. I know that you've got some other guys in mind, but... Uh, Darren Varner would be my fourth pick. He's just so interesting to me because let's say we don't know what it's going to be, but let's say in theory, it's a three, four for next year. If that's the personnel they have and that's how they have to play it. Cause they still have the previous personnel from, you know, Jim Leonard and Paul Chris regime there. He's 50, 60 pounds lighter than the defensive ends where that's like kind of primarily where he played or does he go in the outside linebacker group? It's just fascinating to see how it works because he has a lot of production. He's played a good amount of Temple, but I don't know exactly where he slots in. I don't think he's going to, he's not going to be an outside linebacker. Well, he's like, an, he he's seems not, more like an edge guy to me. Yeah. Which I don't know what that position okay. translates to right. in the defense they're going to run. So maybe that's just his role, but we'll see. It's just weird. You don't always see, I guess the point is, you don't always see transfer defensive ends that are, you know, the size of the outside linebackers. How many of our, how many of Wisconsin linebackers are two sixty? Outside linebackers? Yeah. I, I mean, I was looking. They're they're all two fifty, like in the ten pound range of two fifty to two sixty. That's the he's the same size as Pietrowski, who I'll, who I'll get to when we come back. Who so. is going to be an outside linebacker? But he was an edge player at Michigan State. Right. Right. Darren Varner was not an edge player. I just think it's yes, but 
his skills, I guess, seem like they would translate more to it. Again, can't wait for spring ball. In what they play. Yep, that is, that's a thought that definitely rings true for, for all this. So when we return, it's Kenny and Heilprin. We'll get to the rest of this. We'll go to some overall takeaways on the class and who we see having the biggest impact. And then Luke Fickle's big announcement today. We'll discuss that as well. That is all coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Thursday, live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Hope to be joined by a special guest. So come out, listen to podcast, all that stuff. The transfer portal class brought in by Wisconsin. We are going through it. We have uh, concocted teams from it, uh, squads for each of us. Tanner Mordecai is is on my side. C.J. Williams, Jason Maitre, uh, We have, as we have gone through and kind of drafted who we think will have the biggest impact next season. Zach, Jake Renfro, Bryson Green, Nathaniel Vacos, and Darian Varner. I, I think this is an interesting kind of cutoff point here because Tanner Mordecai, starter, presumed at least Bryson green presumed starter CJ Williams. That was a hype pick, but we'll see. Uh, you keep on calling it a hype pick. It's a pander pick. Sure. Cause J- you're probably going to put this up for a poll and be like, Oh, people see CJ Williams, CJ Williams. Like, Oh yeah. Pick him. I, I will do that. I know you will. Jake Renfro presumed starting center. Jason, my presumed starter somewhere in the secondary. Nathaniel Vacos, maybe the starting kicker. Varner could even start on the line though. I think the cutoff point is before Varner because of who has gone, the older guys they have coming back. But again, we'll see. We have no clue at this point. The next guy who fits into that mold, the similar mold as Varner to me, Jeff Pytrowski, transfer from Michigan State, three years there. He missed pretty much all the last season with an injury, though in the previous year when he did play in 2021, really good Michigan State team. He didn't play all the snaps. So this is production in not as big of a sample size because they were really good up front there. Seven tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. He is an outside linebacker, so it's a crowded room. You have Daryl Peterson there. You have C.J. Getz. You have Aaron Witt, hopefully. Uh, Caden Johnson, T.J. Bowlers, and then Jeff Pytrowski transfers in. I mean, I I don't think they bring in Pytrowski unless they think that he can contribute. I mean, he's a little later on in his college career, so we'll see. But him compared to the other guys, I think he has a bigger chance of making an impact. Okay, is that your last? That was your last pick, right? Uh, no, no. I'm sorry, I have one more. My Wait. last one. Okay, go ahead. No, go. My last one will be. I'll take Joe Huber, okay. redshirt sophomore transfer tackle from Cincinnati. I don't necessarily think he'll start because he's younger, former walk on. But the thing is with the Cincinnati kids is Fickle and company know what they're getting when they bring them in. So they have to like something there. Yeah, but and they're not the ones coaching them. True. It's North Carolina guys coaching them. True. But still, they they have to at least know what they're getting. Yes. I don't think he'll start because Jack Nelson and Riley Mallman feel like the starting tackles. Yet that could be an injury play. Who who knows? But okay. We saw this year how often injuries are going to affect the offensive line. How many different lineups did they roll out there like eight or nine it was a lot too many yeah it was a lot so to say that joe huber won't start 
or you know he's le- he's farther down the list because we don't know if he'll start. While accurate, it feels like he's going to play. It feels like a lot of these guys behind these the top five are going to play. We just don't know exactly who that top five is going to be and then who's going to fill in behind it. But I would be shocked if Joe Huber and, and some of these other guys that maybe not end up being starters don't play a lot of football this year. Yep, yep. All right, round it out, and then we'll touch on some of the other guys that were not selected. Um, so this is for this year, right? Uh, Tanner Mordecai plays a position that is potentially injury prone uh take you know guy whiffs on a block he takes a hit a little more running you know maybe than uh, Tanner Mordecai has done in the past with this offense right so need a strong backup quarterback I'm taking two guys here I'm taking Nick Evers you can't do that I can Nick Evers and Braden Locke whichever one ends up being the backup and if it's Tanner and or and if it's Chase Wolf or um Miles Burkett whatever I tried to do Mullman or Wedding, and you said no gotta choose one that was yes I mean, as I, as I, Logan I, Brown's backup, and we saw how that worked. I need to know who the starter is. No, I need to know who the backup is. All right, screw it. I'll go Nick Evers because I feel like that is. There you go. Yep, that's a little pander pick. Nick Evers. <laughs> Nick Evers is going to be uh, is, is number five in that yeah. list. But but him and Locke are same standing. Where a year in college each, each were four stars. Evers probably a little highly higher rated coming out of high school. A lot of potential there with both of them. A lot of unknown with both of them. So, and I mean, if Mordecai goes down, is it even them? Is it Chase Wolf? We'll see. Oh, gosh. These are things that, that only time will tell the answer to. I can't, so, can't wait. So Tanner Mordecai, CJ Williams, Jason Maitree, Jeff Bartrowski, Joe Huber are my five. And then Jake Renfro, Bryson Green, Nathaniel Vakos, Darian Varner, Nick Evers are your five. To be honest, I, I I like your five so much more. <laughs> Just how it all panned out because well, the, the snake the snake pick kind of did you in. Yeah, but still, I I think the true impact guys obviously are the ones that were selected higher. But Mordecai Renfro are two of your more important offensive pieces from day one, as well as Bryson Green, and then I think the only other huge impact day one guys could be Mitri if he starts or Vakos and the others are more rotational guys, or at least they figure to be, and maybe they stand out uh, from the larger group. So, good stuff. It, it'll be interesting. I have, a, I have a thought I wanted to hit coming up here. We're going to step away. One segment left to go. Uh, but I had a thought because they take 13 guys, Zach, and it was an offseason that we likely won't see again for a long time with firings and movement and new coaches coming in new coordinators, and then this huge transfer class. I want to know if we'll see a class this big again. I want to address that when we come back, and then we will round it out. Luke Fickle posted a video today, and as we normally do on this show, we react to what Luke Fickle tweets. So that is all coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back in. Kenny and Heilprin. So, Zach, the other two guys we did not mention, and uh, deepest apologies that, that we didn't. Wisconsin's big transfer class they bring in. Two more wide receivers, Quincy Burroughs, Will Pauling, guys that had been at Cincinnati previously. What I said about uh, Luke Fickle company kind of knowing what they're getting Holds true for that as well, coming from the school that they had previously coached at. But younger guys, not as much experience. Burroughs, one year at Cincinnati. He's also 6'2", though. 
Look at that big wide receiver mold on the outside and how that line of succession could work. And then polling two years at Cincy, 12 catches, 122 yards last season. So maybe if there are injuries, we see snaps there, but I don't think they project to start right away in their first days in the building. So they're your 13. Uh, and I'll tweet out the list, and I'm, I'm sure Zach will win. Zach should win. If you're listening to this, you haven't voted yet, go vote for Zach, if I'm being honest. But my bigger thought was this is a, a big class with old guys, young guys, instant impact, important positions, quarterback, wide receiver, center, everywhere, defensive line. Will we see 13 transfers brought in again in the Luke Fickle era, if you had to guess? I would say no. I'm going to take them at their word and say they're not going to build this program through the transfer portal. That said, if they still feel like the roster needs more, even more of a turnover next year, and this to say that, who's to say that the 13 is it for this year? Like, say if Jamel Howard doesn't, they don't sign Jamel Howard, which feels like it doesn't seem great right now. Um, they have to go get a defense lineman, and they probably do it after in, in that second that second window so it could be even more but in terms of 13 i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say no a point you made earlier i think is is good and yeah if they have to keep building the roster it could be because guys leave maybe after spring or after the season for playing time or whatever reason but you look at for instance lsu i just pulled it up brian kelly starts there last year they bring a big big transfer class in this year, 16 commits again, where that, that that building could still be happening. There are some programs that do it every season, like Ole Miss, at least what we're seeing from Lane Kiffin. But, um, oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorely mistaken. LSU had 16 last year. They have 11 this year. But still, the thought range true where they still did double-digit guys. So we could. I think it depends a lot on the results on the field. Uh, some positions, I think, are you know pretty clear long-term going forward. Others, maybe we'll see. And it also will have to do with the recruiting. If the high school recruiting at certain positions, like you mentioned, defensive line, falls behind or they have some misses, that's where you fill those holes. But I, I would agree. I would If you had to say 13, I would say no. But there still could be significant classes to come. Um, all right. So before we get out of here, we have a couple minutes. And there, like this whole discussion that we're having as well will be one that is had throughout this offseason as we get into spring. I had a thought on who is the biggest impact after this year, and that could be a you know it's segment in itself, but it's it's all the younger guys that we all had that we had gone through. Evers and Locke, TJ Williams, even Bryson Green, the other receivers. But I there are a lot of different angles to this that will be discussed as spring comes around, as we get closer to season time, as the next portal window opens, and we get a lot of clarity as to what the roster looks like what the scheme is going to look like and who's going to play where. But before we get out of here, I had to ask Luke Fickle today, post a video. He is announcing that Wisconsin is selling season tickets and he, uh, in a very highly produced way, some, some highlights of the stadium and everyone getting hype saying, buy your tickets. Can't wait to have this team really make you proud of rooting for them and how hard they play. I ask you, Zach, uh, did Luke Fickle today top Gary Alvarez's introductory press conference saying you better buy season tickets before it's too late. No, <laughs> because it was such off. It was so off the cuff. <laughs> the greatest thing about that whole situation is Barry was coaching the orange bowl the night before with Notre Dame. They put him on a private plane, fly him up 
put him on that news conference, hadn't slept and for how long. And he gets up on the stage and he drops that just off a of question. Like he, he thought the guy who asked the question was kind of like, not laughing at him, but was like, you're going to, you're going to turn this program around really. And so he just, he dropped that line and it was like, so matter of fact, like, boom. Right. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. No, right I, in your face. And that's what it's going to be. Luke fickle hasn't thought, I mean, that's, you're never going to be able to re- replicate that situation because college football isn't that's it just isn't that way. Barry was so sure of himself and so believed so much in what he was going to do that he just came out and said it. And I don't know if people believed it right away. Probably not, considering the lack of success Wisconsin had had. But my God, that was that's that's an all timer. That is, that may be the most famous quote in Wisconsin football history. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I I agree with you. And I wasn't in this state then. I think I was alive. No, you weren't. What year was that? 1990. Oh, I thought it was later in the 90s. Anyway, no. uh, didn't think that deeply into whether I was alive. I was not alive. And I also was not here in the state, clearly. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you. I-, I will say, though, there will be a, a drastic increase of tickets sold where whether they turn around on the field after, listen, one disappointing season some others that can be argued as disappointing, but weren't awful. Like one season that was the worst they've had in some time. Well, they are already in that they have an early bird special that they do. Like if you come that ended like January 6th and they had a 40% increase over last year uh, in terms of sales there, they had 700 new season tickets given out in that early, early bird time. And I have a feeling that the number of season tickets are going up. People have been getting rid of their season tickets. And this, well, let's be fair about it. The uh, it's not a great schedule this year, but next year is pretty darn good. Bama, right? Things of that nature. Yes, but Ohio State, oof, did it. Yeah, uh, and hopefully the students show up on time. That's the big variable, right? Well, that game's gonna be at noon. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for us to everyone listening. Thank you. Those on the podcast, leave a review. We will talk to you Thursday night live at Monk's Bar and Grill. See you.